Hello and welcome to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light on your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm Keandra, your host. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I am a mental health advocate on Instagram. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about quasi recovery and are you stuck in it and what you do if you are to get out of it. And I'm joined by a very, very exciting guest, Emily, also a recovery coach. So Emily, I'm delighted to have you on. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, first of all, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. I'm excited beyond words. Um, yeah, my name is Emily. I live in England with my partner and our two cats. I myself have fully recovered from restrictive eating disorder as of sort of midway through 2020. Uh, had a few years to sort of really consolidate that and then actually did a qualification in coaching so that I myself as well work as a recovery coach now, which is really, really exciting. And it's an honor to be able to support other people in their journey to eating disorder freedom. Definitely. I think we're both doing some some important work. And at the end of the episode, I'll leave all contact details so you can follow us on social and get in touch. I know we're both chatty Yorkshire lasses. We've realized that before the episode started. So you're in good hands. So this episode is about quasi-recovery and you might be asking, well, what is quasi-recovery? And it's a term that, you know, if you've committed to your recovery journey, many people have kind of restored the weight if you needed to, reduced excessive exercise, et cetera, restriction and other eating disorder behaviors. You might feel like you've made massive progress, but then that question comes in the back of your mind is actually, am I actually fully recovered? And, you know, I always ask myself the question, you know, when, when I'm speaking to clients, it's like, is the dreaded quasi-recovery inevitability in the recovery process from an eating disorder? And it doesn't need to be inevitability, but it, oftentimes people do get stuck. And so quasi-recovery is very, very easy to get stuck at. And there's a reason why quasi, because it's half, you know, referred to as the word stuck. So quasi-recovery is the point at which you're able to trick yourself into believing you fully recovered from your eating disorder. So you stop regressing and working towards true freedom. Oftentimes, like I said, your body will have fully recovered. And even if weight gain isn't part of that process, most times that sometimes isn't part of the process. But even if your body is fully recovered in a place where you're out of restriction or behaviors, your mind might not have arrived at that same point. And so you continue to struggle to overcome distorted thoughts and habits. So in this place, you really have to be honest with yourself and hold yourself accountable. If you're still steering clear of some foods or hiding your body in baggy clothes, avoiding mirrors, analyzing nutrition labels, et cetera, et cetera, you might well be in quasi-recovery. So it is so, so, so common and normal. So as a preface to this, I don't want you to get yourself down, but it's recognizing how important that you've acknowledged that because when you understand and acknowledge things, that's when you can continue your journey to full recovery and true freedom awaits. I'm going to go through a couple of questions before we move on to the conversational side of things. So I want you to, you know, spend some time reflecting. So how would you know if you're stuck in crazy recovery? So ask yourself the question, how do I know if I'm stuck? Number one, do you feel the need to compensate when you eat fear foods? If you have them, for instance, a cake or, or something that you could have demonized, but then restrict for dinner to make up for it. Number two, do you tell yourself you don't like certain foods just to justify avoiding them? 
you know, oftentimes we say, oh, no, I just don't like this. But that's a way that our eating disorder convinces us that we don't have to have them when in reality, we really do like what we're saying we don't. Number three, do you still revert back to your old habits and patterns, yet consider yourself recovered? For instance, if you're having a bad time or stressed, are you going back to kind of old coping mechanisms? Is that an inevitability for you? And finally, number four, are you still terrified of additional weight gain, even though you've tolerated the need to restore weight on your recovery journey? And that's, again, if weight gain is part of your journey, that could be something that does keep you stuck. So do you have anything to add to that kind of list in, in knowing if you are stuck in quasi-recovery? I'm not sure if I have anything specific to add to the list, but I think for me, because my journey was very much that I I dived into recovery, I was smashing it, I was doing, like, I was really going for it. I was doing the nutritional rehabilitation, the neural rewiring, going great guns. And I personally had a very challenging appointment, probably about, I don't know, 10, 11 months into my recovery journey that really did set me back. And if I could go back now and transport to that time, I would say, no, come on, don't listen to this. This isn't. But at the time, it really hit me in a difficult place. And so actually on reflection, now I can look back and think that was probably the point where I slipped and then I just never quite got back on it in the same way. And so that for me led to several years, which I realized were leading towards what I call a quasi rut. And for me, it was in gradually sort of over the early parts of 2019 when I realized I'm not free. And I think the big thing for me is just that awareness, that brutal self-honesty of you knowing that you are not free. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what any medical professionals, if you have made contact with those think. It doesn't matter what anyone says it's what you know to be true in your own brain and your own body and I know for me that brutal self-honesty was I am not free this is not this is not complete freedom there are still rules there are still fears there are still areas that I don't tread there are still juggling and compensation there's still all the stuff and yes in many ways People who maybe didn't know about my past, they didn't know, they probably would have thought, oh, she's just fine. That's just how she is. I knew. I knew I wasn't. And that peace, that contentment that I'd been striving for and that now I have, I very much didn't have in that place. And so I think for me, very much the thing is that brutal self-honesty and that check-in and going, right, am I free? Is this the destination and you have to be honest with yourself because it's only with really knowing where you are that you can then move forwards for sure I completely completely agree and I think from my own journey you know I I think I didn't have age on my side I was quite I'm happy to say I was quite young and naive to know what recovery actually meant and when you're at a young age like in your early teens as I was when I first got ill I was like well this is fine. Like I can live with that. But when I started getting older and, you know, I was having the ability to become more social, I was, you know, getting into romantic relationships, having friendships and working. I really so kind of goddamn like I am stuck and it's keeping me stuck this pattern that I was in. And the thing is, a lot of people get stuck because it's often overlooked. And this is the problem. And I think for myself, and I don't know for you, it was like the reason that, you know, when I was in treatment, I kind of, once I'd recovered the weight and I seemed to be eating more and making progress on paper, 
but it didn't mean that I didn't have more work to do. But because the way that a lot of people see eating disorders, and unfortunately so, it's very much like, well, you don't look like you have an eating disorder anymore, or you're doing better, so you're fixed. But actually, it just meant I simply had more work to do. It's really, really important to, like you said, it's the cycle of the cycle of change. So you had that awareness yourself, Emily. It's like discovering early quasar recovery is when we can start to potentially have a little more freedom, meaning flexibility once again, and, you know, really start to live because it's not a fully a weight and behavior thing. It's also what we feel like in our head. And I think for myself, it was like, eventually when I discovered in quasar recovery for a few years that the truth that hurt the most is there was still more to do. I kind of, at that point, I was like, oh, no, like, here we go again. Am I actually going to have to challenge these things again? Was I making life a bit too easy for myself? And I don't know if you you find that yourself. No, absolutely. I definitely remember the tussle between knowing deep down I wasn't free, but then also not really wanting to have to face up to the reality of the work that needed to be done to get to that place of freedom. And I think what's important to remember here, almost like a reframing of that feeling of, oh, really, more work, why, is that if you are somebody who can reflect and think, no, I'm not free, I'm not content, I don't have peace in my mind, I don't have peace with my body, I don't have that. If you can look and honestly go, hmm, yeah, no, there's there's still restriction showing up. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's still an eating disorder driven behavior. Yep, that's still something that hasn't been rewired. There is actually positives to be seen in that. And what I mean by this is it's not like you're looking and thinking, well, how come I'm not free? I don't do anything. I don't do anything that's disordered. I'm not doing any restriction. Why am I still? It's not. You can actually reframe this and think, if I'm honest, I'm not free. And if I look at my behavior and my thinking, There are all sorts of different areas and ways in which restriction eating disorder is showing up. And whilst overwhelming, that is actually a positive in that you can do something about it. With that clarity, with that awareness, with that identification, you're not wandering around in the dark going, oh, why are there still eating disorder thoughts in my brain? Like You can see the behaviors. You can see the thinking patterns. You can see where you turn your attention. You can see why it's there. And with that clarity, with that awareness, you can choose to do something about it. And so I think it does help to have that honesty and hold on to the, the power that you have over your actions. You can't immediately change your thinking. You can't immediately change your emotions, attach that thinking, but you do have complete control and power over the actions that you choose to take. And when you've worked out where you're at, you can turn your attention, your actions towards the direction that you want to go, towards that destination that you want to meet. And I know that for me, you know, part of that realization that I was stuck in Quasi was that I just thought it doesn't matter if I stay like this, which the scary truth is I I could have stayed like that. I could have almost certainly maintained that, existed in that state for the rest of my life. It was that moment of clarity of kind of, gosh, it will just always be me and my eating disorder on tour. You know, I could go to the most beautiful places. I could have the most wonderful memories. I could have the best friendships. I could have all of these things. But if I don't get rid of my eating disorder, it will always be 
Emily and her eating disorder on holiday. Emily and her eating disorder get married. Emily and her eating disorder go and do whatever it is. It would always be that. And I think sometimes you do have to jolt yourself into the reality of that as part of your getting real about where you're at in order to be able to gather that all up and then propel yourself in the direction that you want to be going. It's so incredibly powerful what you, you just said, Emily. It's like you can inevitably stay there for the whole of your life, but actually are you truly living? And I think the problem with, you know, and, and we'll go on to the at the end of the episode talking about how can you move beyond quasar recovery. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of things there, but the problem with quasar recovery is it's often the things keeping you stuck in the space that are invisible. There's no longer a straightforward way to keep yourself physically accountable after you've started potentially eating more or doing less behaviors, making it much easier to lie to yourself and those around you because you might be fully functioning. You might have a job. You might be eating more and having energy. And you might oftentimes hear those comments that can be so triggering, like saying how healthy you look and and reaffirming to you that I suppose your disordered patterns, which still exist, are normal to you. And that is definitely not the case. In reality, your friends and family are often just so relieved to see improvements in your behavior which can warp your view of normality and healthy habits. And so that's what makes you more likely to stop here and accept your progress as, oh, well, this is the best it's going to get. I had that for many years. It was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm living. But I really wasn't fully living. And, you know, you then, well, for myself, I took recovery off my list of goals and priority. And I really, really knew at some point a lot of things happened. I was like, you know what? I need to feel excited about life and not just exist. The key, the main key concern about quasar recovery is that if disordered behaviors aren't like fully eradicated or thoughts, it's highly likely they'll find your way back into your life at some point. For instance, like you can become complacent and stop actively working towards full recovery, meaning that you do overlook disordered habits when they arise. So any big life stresses, whether a relationship breakdown, job loss, illness, or even just being like overwhelmed or busy can trigger old behaviors and send you sliding straight back into the eating disorder as a means of controlling your negative emotions. You know, that's something that I've really truly recognized now is like I've recently had a period of just being unwell when I was traveling in India and I realized, okay, if I had stuck in quasar recovery, I could have, you know, really slipped back into my old eating sort of habits. But because I'd moved past it, I knew that I was just going to rebound. And that's why it's so truly important to prevent any relapses. It's time to be honest with yourself and recommit to the process. So Emily, now is the, the point of actually how can one move beyond quasar recovery? Great question. So we have to remember that everybody's journey is individual, but I think there is some shared things that can be beneficial. We've kind of touched in a big way on the first essential step, and that Mm -hmm. is to be really brutally honest about where you are at. Whether that is just through self-conversation, whether it is through conversation with a loved one, whether it is through brain dumping it out on paper, Getting really honest with yourself about all the different ways in which your eating disorder is still showing up, both in what you do, in where your attention goes, in fears, in rules, whatever. Just getting super honest with yourself about where it's showing up. Because like I said, it's only by really knowing where we are Mm -hmm. that we can then start to make change. I think it helps as well to get clear with yourself about the destination 
you know, to actually check in and explore what full freedom would be like, what could be like, you know, really to check in with your core healthy self and say, what does that freedom feel like? What would that be like? What would it feel like? What would it look like? And to get Mm -hmm. clear, because as I say, in terms of making a journey, knowing where you're at, really important and knowing where you're going also important definitely it's like pausing and re-evaluating your why and exactly what you hope to achieve when you reach full recovery I like to do smart goals but it can be you could create a list of things like I want to restore the connection with my body or feel gratitude in just little things in life or ultimately feel peace freedom and joy not be governed by food or exercise in any way shape or form and I think I would say the first thing is actually defining what true freedom looks like for you in addition to that and and you're so right it's actually recommitting for many years people find themselves stuck because they're reluctant to admit to themselves or others but again it's that acceptance and recommitting to recovered and there will be more challenges tears obstacles fears and emotions but at the end of the day this could be your ticket you know your golden ticket to living a fully recovered life one of freedom joy and peace like I mentioned so if you can recognize it and dive in and recommit give it everything you've got but what I would say with that is recommitting it is worthwhile having a coach like myself or Emily or you know a therapist or somebody that can help you recommit because it is very hard once you've had got stuck for many years it's hard to do on your own it's hard to recognize it so you know get some support no absolutely and it is hard I think you are so right commitment is key we cannot rely on motivation we cannot rely on momentum because those come after action is initiated you have to rely on commitment and very often i think it's a misconception that recovery is this great happy fluffy bunny exciting lovely time we're out with friends and smiling and it's just not it's just Mm -hmm. not it's hard work it's those days where it's just you no one knows and you are still chugging away at doing the work that you need to do so I think it needs to be the priority the big thing for me I think when I quit Quasi was that I put it back at the top of my priority list I assessed my whole life and I got really honest I put things back on shelves that I had taken off including active hobbies I was like no I need to get back to the place where I am prioritizing Mm. healing, that I'm prioritizing the work to get fully, fully nutritionally rehabilitated, which is not just weight restoration, that is getting totally out of energy deficit and to do the neural rewiring work. So it was about that process of putting it back at the top of my priority list and then coming back into the now and choosing to challenge things. It is hard recovery. But I think wherever possible, hold on to the simplicity of it. You know, Mm -hmm. if you are eating without restriction and doing the opposite of what your eating disorder wants and suggests, that is recovery. Like right at its core, if we just bring it back to the simple, simple components, Mm -hmm. that is recovery. And I recognize having done it myself, I get, do not hear this and think, it's hard. I know it's hard. But things can be hard and simple and I think it really helps to come back and focus on the simplicity keep yourself in the now reach out for support you know if you are in a position to be able to get support from a therapist from a coach from someone if that's an option for you definitely lean into that if it's not look for support where you are able to get it whether it Mm -hmm. is just one friend one loved one if they can be your recovery buddy 
lean into that. And if you are in a position where you are thinking, I'm not in that position, I can't reach out, there's no one, then this is where actually something that's true for everyone in recovery, but particularly if you feel like, oh, I just don't have the support I need, take the responsibility that it is, that it's yours to do this work. And I know that maybe sounds really harsh, but I think in recovery, particularly when it comes to quitting Quasi, to getting out of Quasi, we have to have that awareness of no one is coming to get you out of Quasi. No one's coming to do the work for you. And like I say, that's really harsh, but there's also huge power in your role as the one who's responsible for this journey because you don't have to wait for anyone. You don't have to wait for anyone. You don't have to wait for anything. You don't have to wait to hear something that flips a light switch and that's it. They, you don't have, you right now, right here where you are today, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I see myself in that. If I'm honest, I can reflect and I think, yeah, yeah, I have, I have a lot of disorder behaviors that are sticking around. That's the point. That's the point where you can harness and embrace your responsibility and your role as the pilot on this, of this plane. Mm. And you can choose to make the changes. It is hard, but hold on to the simplicity and keep in the now one step at a time. Definitely. I, I think that's just so powerful what you said, Emily. And I think the last thing that I will finish on is recognizing that recovery isn't black and white. And oftentimes people with eating disorders often have that black and white thinking. You know, oftentimes I've heard, especially on social media, is that that thinking about going all in with recovery. We view it as an all or nothing journey, which you've had a grasp on eating disorder or you're fully recovered. But, and this is what I've learned through life, is there is many gray areas on the spectrum. And that is where quasar recovery lies. But being fully committed is a key to recovery, but it's also a process to completely rewire your brain and habits. So you're going to be working through gray. You're going to be needing to actually take a huge undertaking. So don't expect it to happen overnight and, and celebrate those wins along the way. You know, pick yourself up from any challenges you face. You have the potential to fully recover. You have to accept that it's okay with the fact that there will be hard and there will be wins and losses and it will take time. But my final sentence is it is a hundred percent worth it in the end. And I, you know, I don't think anyone has ever recovered and say, well, that wasn't worth it. You know, every single one of us is worthy of full recovery and we're capable of getting there. It just takes commitment, hard work, perseverance, and honesty with yourself. So it's kind of thinking, you know, after this episode, I hope you can ask yourself the question is like, are you ready to commit to that? And I, and I would hope you say yes, because you deserve it. I don't know if you've got anything to add, Emily. Absolutely. And on that exact question, remember, you can feel uncertain and be ready, just in the same way as you can be scared and do it. And I think you're very, very right. And it's so important when, especially when you're sat listening to people like ourselves who are fully recovered and the clarity and the confidence that I'm able to speak about recovery because I have got to the destination, because I have that wonderful, the power of hindsight. It's a marvelous thing. And I want anyone who's listening to this to know that just because we can sit here, I can sit here and, and sound maybe really clear and certain on what needs to do. It is not that that is how I felt whilst I was doing it. You know, I made mistakes. I slipped up. I frequently did things and I was like, oh no, right, okay, get back. It's not mistakes that stop you 
from fully recovering. It's not getting back up again. And anything in recovery, even if you can look and think, oh my goodness, the last week I, I wanted to commit to quitting quasi, but I have not done it. Wow, that was a that was a real mess that week. Mm-hmm. If you can reflect and learn and gather that up as evidence to carry forwards, you are actually in a better place to move onwards because you have gathered up learning. You can take stuff forwards and think, right, okay, that happened and that happened for this reason. That's going on. Right. I've got that now. I'm now going into this next part of the journey with that evidence, with that information that puts me in a stronger position. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, a thousand percent, actually. I'm going to make that even bigger. (laughs) You know, there's endless lists of reasons to fight for true recovery. And I really, really, truly hope you feel that you are deserving of it because you sure should do because life is a lot more bright, you know, and I always look on my social media that I'm always in another country, but that's because I started realizing life was a lot better than four walls and restricted food and and living in my bubble is actually life can be bright and life can be very, very enjoyable. So yeah, I, I just, you know, I appreciate you so much coming on this episode, Emily, and talking about this really, really important topic. I couldn't have picked somebody better to do it. So, you know, I just appreciate you coming on. How would people um, find you? Well, I'm on Instagram, Emily Spence underscore underscore. I think you're going to, will you add the links below so people yeah. can click on them? Oh. Um, but also I have a YouTube channel, uh, also Emily Spence and a podcast as well that I run with a fellow recovery coach, Han, called Unrestricted. So I will send over the links so that you can share them as well. But um, yeah, no, I'm happy to link and connect. And I have a website as well, which I'll put, which obviously has information about my coaching and different bits. So yeah, and thank you. I, honestly, I absolutely love coming and talking. And this is a topic that feels very close to my heart. As someone who very much realized I was stuck in a quasi rut at a time where I'd not even really heard about what quasi was. I just sort of knew that I was not there. I was not free and then did the work and has reached a place of joy. And joy is so relevant because it is joyous and life can be simple and joyful and easy and just contentment, you know, contentment Mm. in the quiet spaces, peace in your mind and your body. It's possible. And it is so, so worth fighting for. Definitely. And I always end the episode, Emily, with kind of a listener question. And this one is actually about how to eat intuitively and trust your body. You know, I think I'll do a whole episode on intuitive eating and that topic in itself. But what I would say is if you've been in a period of restriction and not listening to your true hunger, intuitive eating might not be your best friend at this point, because how can you eat intuitively when you don't have an intuitive mindset towards food and you have rules around it? But what I would say, and this is going to start you off, is number one and um, there's a great book intuitive eating a revolutionary program that works and it's by elise resch and evelyn tribble i hope i pronounced that right and that at the start it's basically educating yourself on the principles of intuitive eating and at the same time nourishing yourself so if you are recognizing that rules are determining your behavior check in with yourself so i'm not going to go into like a full how you eat intuitively because it's such a big topic but If you are finding that, you know, maybe intuitive eating at the start of your journey isn't right and you need to have some structure, but start to educate yourself on the principles of it. And in that way, you know, maybe you can go on that path. And that actually ties very well to quasi recovery. It's all about educating yourself and pushing yourself to places that 
that are going to be a bit more beneficial for you and your life and without those rules. So it's a process. But um, thank you for asking that question. As, as always, I invite you to um, submit a question to my website, my podcast tab, um, and, and I will answer one of them every week. So thank you so much again for coming on this podcast, Emily. And thank you so much for listening, everyone. I wish you all the best on your journey to full recovery. Um, but for now, I'll say goodbye and I will see you or speak to you next Tuesday.